22 degrees and cloudy. Temperatures are expected to remain in the mid-40s throughout the day. From WPFW News in Washington, I'm Sue Goodwin. Good afternoon, Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Wherever you're listening today, my name is Corey Shaw, Jr., and you're tuned in to Empower D.C.'s Taking Action. Our show is produced by Empower D.C. and has long served as a platform for impacted communities to make themselves heard and for us to shine a light on issues prevalent in our communities. Today, however, I'm going to be taking us on a, in a different direction. As a historian, I have a deep love for learning about preserving the, the personal legacies of the people I hope to serve. It is in that spirit that I am joined today by Angelique Gigi Nelson. Uh, Gigi is a genealogist and a historian that is working with the youth of Washington, D.C., uh, teaching them the importance of family history and how to become burgeoning genealogists through her nonprofit, The Majani Project. Gigi, thank you so much for joining me today. Corey, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. So um, to just to sort of give you a little bit of background about me, um, I'm not a native Washingtonian, but I am local. This is home now, so this is where I'm at. Um, I attend the Episcopal Church of the Atonement. Shout out to Reverend Ricardo Shepard. Had to get that in there. Um, but I think like a lot of people during the pandemic, um, the way that things shifted in the world just in general, it kind of gave me some sort of time and space to think about like what I really wanted to be doing and where I wanted to be spending the majority of my time. And genealogy had always been something that I was really passionate about. And I'll get into why that is a little bit later. But I just I just remember thinking one day, you know, I really wish that I had started it as a kid, like just kind of known about it, known what it was and then gotten in, involved in it as a kid. Because now, you know, both sets of grandparents are passed away. And so I can't ask them questions like that. That window of time is gone. So. I thought, well, it's a little too late for me, but it's not too late for, for you know, the youth now. So that's what really motivated me to start the Majani Project. And Majani is a Swahili word that means leaves. And so the idea is that our children are the leaves on their branch of the family tree. And so the goal of the Majani Project is really just to introduce youth. I, I don't like to say kids because people think you're talking like five to 12 year olds. And I'm really talking about 12 and up. So, um, yeah, the Majani Project, the goal is to uh, introduce youth to genealogy, what it is and why it's important. And it just kind of occurred to me, too, as well, when I was, you know, in the process of creating it, is that for so long, we've focused as a people, as Black people, we have focused so long on the tragedy and the horror of slavery, right? Because it is a big part of most of our family stories. And, but for that reason, most Black people in general do not have those conversations of, around the dinner table about the past or about their ancestors. And again, for good reason, right? I mean, for a lot of people that, for, for most of us, it's a, it's a really difficult story to tell. And so we just sort of didn't tell it. But I think in sort of focusing only on the, the tragedy of it, that for generations, we kind of missed an opportunity to look at the other side, to look at the resilience and the strength and the joy, right? I mean, we all know when we get together, it's a party and it's always been that way. And so the goal of the Majani Project really is to sort of change that narrative about how we talk about the past and how we talk about our ancestors and really focus on the strength and the resilience. I like to say that, you know, you're here, Corey, I'm here. So clearly our ancestors did something right, right? They persevered long enough for us to get here. And so that's really what we're about is just kind of changing that narrative and introducing youth to genealogy and using it as a way 
to kind of build up our youth, the self-esteem and their identity. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this is true for you, Corey, because it certainly was for me, is that, you know, the things that kids learn in school and certainly back then, you know, you think that we just sort of came here and it was slavery and then it was civil rights. And like there's just there was nothing before slavery and nothing, you know. And so just the way that 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 black history is taught in this country. And I know we're coming up on on Black History Month, which is a whole other discussion. But anyway, <laughs> but just the way that history is taught in this country, it just it, it creates this narrative that that you were only ever a slave and your people were only ever slaves. And so one of the things that we like to say in the Majani Project is that our history started with family, not slavery. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of that was rich. And I think that while most folks listening probably have a good idea of what genealogy is, I'm wondering if you can just break down one, what, what genealogy is and then what it entails to be a genealogist. Yeah, sure. So genealogy is is really sort of the, the scientific fancy word for family history. And, you know, if, if there are some purists out there who will who will make a distinction between genealogy and family history. But for the rest of us, it's kind of all the same. And so family history. Well, let me put it this way. Genealogy is sort of like the bones of your story. Right. It's the it's the numbers. It's the facts. It's the census data. It's it's your vital records like your birth certificate, your death certificate. So when it comes to dates and facts, that's basically that's genealogy. Family history is the stories that that's the muscle and the tissue and the skin. Right. So the family stories, like when you hear stories about, you know, for example, I have a story and it's, it might be a good thing that most of my family is in California. But there's a family story in my family that my great grandfather, um, my family migrated. Most of them migrated east to west to California. So one of my great grandfathers, he was from Kansas. And the story goes. I always thought that he just, you know, packed up and moved to California. Well, come to find out he was actually run out of town. <laughs> and the reason he was run out of town is because apparently he was something of a ladies man. And um, one of the husbands wasn't having it. So they kind of ran him out of town and there's they're a little bit more to that. but We'll just leave it at that. Um, so. So, yeah. So those but those kinds of stories that that sort of shed light on the character of your family, the family members and sheds light on the ancestors. Those are the kinds of stories that make up a family history. And that's what we're about. We don't want just the, the, the hard, cold facts. We want the story so that you get an idea of who your people are. Absolutely. And, and I guess. There's a lot, again, I want to touch on, but I want to ask before I get to the more nuanced questions, why really is genealogy important, right? You've touched on sort of deconstructing, right, pervasive narratives. I can say that I, I absolutely was taught that it was sort of enslavement, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s, you know, Washington, uh, the Poor People's Campaign, and then today. Right, <laughs> so, right. So why, why is genealogy important in sort of deconstructing that narrative? Because it's really an only stand in understanding your family history and your background that you really have a level of identity that I think a lot of us lacked. I know I did. And people that I talked to have the same story. You know, other cultures are really good about telling their family stories and, and doing it often enough to where everybody in that family knows their family history. And it's 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 hard to sort of put sort of to make that to quantify that, right, in, in a tangible way. But studies have shown that people who understand their family history and know their family history are more successful overall in any field because it just provides a level of comfort, a level of identity, and a level of, of self-esteem that you know the people that you come from. And most Black people, most of us, we, we don't have that, again, because we don't tell those stories. And so that's why genealogy for me it's 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 more than just i mean it's a mission it's a passion it's something that i want to introduce to to our kids and an, another thing and i'll say this too for a lot of years way too many genealogy was a lot like tennis and golf in the sense that it was sort of seen as just the in the purview of, of white people only and that because the narrative was that black people didn't have a history right and so mm -hmm. genealogy was one of those things like oh well you have to have you know all these records and that to go back and do your family history and again another false narrative that was that was sort of put out was that 
there were no records for black people. Right. And that, that's why you couldn't do your family history, because you don't even have any records. And now, you know, fast forward to 2024. And we know that that's completely not true. So whereas it may not be the exact same types of records, there is a paper trail and um, it's it's getting more easier by the day to sort of uncover that paper trail. A lot of things are being digitized, but there are still a lot of records that are in those sort of tiny courthouses, right, that you will have to go in and dig into. But that that also is a story for another day. But just sort of to get back to the idea of of the, the records that are available to black people. I, I hear it so often that, you know, oh, well, you can't get past a certain year or go back further than a certain year because there's just nothing available. But the reality is that there are records available. There are bills of sale. There are inventories. There are all kinds of things that for so long were just ignored. And then someone, thank God, realized, hey, this is a tr these are treasure troves of information. They just have to be sort of looked at and restudied in a different way to get that kind of information out. So so yeah, like I said, for me, genealogy is a passion because it's it's all about helping our kids understand really where they come from and knowing people in their family who have whether they've done, you know, they may have people who have done great things. Maybe they've had people who have done, you know, bad things. But the idea is if you know where you come from, you can use those people in your family as an example of either what to do or what not to do. That's fantastic. I, I do want to jump into, because you, you mentioned something, I think a couple of times here, history and identity. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can unpack for me why those two things are linked, right? Why is it the way in which we understand our own history impacts the ways, not just in which like the world sees us, but, but how we see ourselves? Why is that important? Well, Corey, we all know that there's a there's a saying that says, you know, it's it's the victor who writes the history. Right. And so we, we always see history from this perspective, you know, to sort of bring it home. American history is written from the perspective of, of white colonialists for the most part. Right. White supremacists. Call, you know, there's a million names you could use. But the, the mainstream dominant narrative of this country is not us is not black people. And so as a black American, you're sitting in a classroom, whether you're seven or 27, you're sitting in a classroom where the narrative is really not about you, that you're you're an ancillary player, if at all, right? You know, as we said before, you're lucky if, if they talk about slavery or if they talk about MLK, you know, and, and maybe if you're really lucky, you might even hear about Harriet Tubman. But but for the most part, those histories, they, they're not meant for us. They're not written for us. And they're certainly not written about us. And so it's it's imperative on us as a people to understand our own history. And that's why I am a proponent of, you know, Saturday schools, whatever it takes so that our kids learn their own history, because you can't the way you move in the world is different when you know who you are and where you really come from. You just you move different because, you know, more and it just provides a just a fundamental confidence in knowing that you can achieve things. We hear over and over people say, well, you know, I never saw that growing up. So I didn't know that I could be that. Right. And so if you're studying your history, you may come across, maybe one of your ancestors was an inventor. Maybe they were a scientist. Maybe they did something with agriculture that no one's even recognized yet. And then you discovered and you can make that history known. But just knowing the people that that got you here, it just like I said, it just adds that level to your identity of knowing where you come from. And then you move in the world differently because you see like, hey, I came from people who did this. Right. Um, and so for like for me, for example, I told you that story about my grandfather. Well, aside from the the, the reasons he may have had to move the other side of that narrative is that this was a guy who was brave enough to actually strike out for California. He clearly had some charm going for him. So, you know, you can sort of parse out the good things and say, hey, I got I got that, too. Like, that's a part of who I am. And I can use those things and make the world better for me and my family moving forward. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, I, I think that this this notion of understanding how understanding history and, and how it impacts our sense of self is important, in particular for young folk. It's, it's especially important. Uh, I do actually want to sort of transition to the young folk and hear a little more about the work that you've been doing uh, with the youth in the city thus far. 
Okay, so um, the Majani Project, and for the record, that's M-A-J-A-N-I.org. So please um, check out our website. Um, it's a relatively new organization. It is a 501c3 nonprofit, and it's registered with DC. Um, so we just we just launched we just launched the website in uh, 2022. And so we spent most of that year and last year actually working on publishing a book for youth. And I was I was just about to hold it up. And I remember we were on radio. <laughs> but anyway, so the name of the book is For the Culture, a genealogy handbook for the cool kids. And the reason this book came about um, is because as I was looking for a resource to use to help teach genealogy specifically to black youth, I spend a lot of time, many, 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 many days and, you know, into the weeks, double digits, looking for something for a book to um, to help do this. And Corey, when I tell you that there was in the weeks and all the time that I spent looking for a book, I found one that was specifically targeted to black youth. So there are a lot of books that introduce genealogy to to black people, to African-Americans. Right. There's tons. There are a lot of books that introduce genealogy to youth and to kids, but there was only one book that I found on the market that actually specifically targeted black youth. And that book was written in 96. So yeah, exactly. So I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what, this is an opportunity. And so um, I, I, I sort of uh, took a hard left on my plans for the Majani project and, and set about writing this book. And because my background too is as a historian, my degrees are in history. You know, you it's hard to write a book about genealogy and not have some history in it. So, so the book covers it's 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 different than any genealogy book you've ever seen on the subject because it's specifically for um, for black youth. And so we start kind of with the genesis of of genealogy of black genealogy in America, which you know is as you know kind of started with Alex Haley's roots. And so I kind of start from that point and then I, I, I kind of backtrack because in addition to being a historian, I'm also sort of like an amateur geographer. <laughs> and so geography is extremely important to me. And the way that we are taught to, to know the capitals of European countries and European mountain ranges and just all the things European, but ask anybody to name 10 countries in Africa. You know, you're lucky if you can get five. Right. And so the, ge the knowing just how many black people are on this planet and what their populations are. It, I was in grad school, Corey, before I even knew, really like understood just how many black people are in Latin America and in South America. Like it was mind blown. Right. And so I included um maps. I included tables and charts to sort of let kids know that there are huge populations of Black people all over the world, right? I don't know if you remember, well, you probably do, but when I was a kid, if I saw commercials about, you know, the Bahamas, I mean, even somewhat today, it's a little better today, but if you ever saw commercials about the Caribbean, all you ever saw was white people. Like, I never knew that there were Black people there, right? And so just mm -hmm. all those things that we are not taught in school, I tried to put a little bit of that into this book. So there's lots of pictures, lots of color. It's not all text. <laughs> Gotta make sure I say that. It's definitely not all text. There's a lot of lot of images, but it's really just so kind of going into that geography of Africa and the geography of South America, even black populations in Canada included those. So it's, it's all of the above. And then I kind of go into some tips and hints of, of how to start doing genealogy. And it doesn't have to be difficult. You know, it's kind of, it, it probably sounds like it's way harder than it is, but genealogy is so simple. It's really about having, it starts with a conversation, right? You take your phone, everybody records things now on their phone, take your phone, go sit down and, you know, talk to big mama. That's all you have. That, that's genealogy right there. And just gets, ask her, you know, what, what kind of jobs did you have when you were a kid? Um, where did your family live? Where did you go to school? Just basic information like that to kind of get an idea of who she was. And I'll tell you a story about my grandma. So um, my grandma, her name was Anna. And turns out Anna loved uh, baseball. She was like a huge baseball fan. Like it's so random, like the things that you can learn about your, 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 your parents and grandparents, right? So um, anyway, she, she, was, she, was, she had like a whole athletic thing going. 
but she um one day oh so back to I was you know how you take I was in college and I had to take a physical ed right like PE class and so I'm looking through the things and all that looked even remotely interesting was tennis um they didn't offer baseball unfortunately so I was like well I guess I'll take a tennis class so I go to the class and after the first day the coach came up to me and he's like have you played before and I was like no this is like literally the first time I've ever picked up a racket you know and he was like, oh, well, you're, you have like a, you're really good at, like you have a natural affinity for it. And I was like, oh, so I went home and told my mom and she's like, your grandmother played tennis. And I was like, what? Like, I never knew that before. So that's what I mean. Like you learn all these things about the things that are inside you and doing genealogy can tell you where those things came from. And so learning that, you know, your grandma played tennis or your grandfather was really good or he was really interested in studying birds. He was an ornithologist. Like those are the kinds of things that make you you. And that's what's so fun about family history is learning where you came from and where those different parts of you are. So the book talks about, you know, just how to start having those conversations. There's a huge section on activities that you can do, like, you know, making a home, uh, you know, like a, a family history movie and then sharing it with your family. And then, then in the back, there's spaces where you can write out those family recipes that have been handed down to you. You can um, fill out a family history chart. You can fill out a medical history chart. Um, in my family, there's you know diabetes on one side and, and hypertension on the other. And while those aren't necessarily fun things to talk about, doing medical family history can be extremely important. So, so all that's in the book. So again, the name of it is For the Culture, a Genealogy Handbook for the Cool Kids. It's everywhere that books are sold. So you can find it on Amazon or go to your local bookstore and they can order it for you. But so that's kind of what um, I've been doing in terms of of the the nonprofit of the Majani Project was really getting this book written, getting it published. And then this year, um, we are really focused on growing the online club. The goal is to have an online club that meets. Um, we're going to be meeting monthly and just talking through what people find. Right. And just if you, if people run into problems that they can't quite solve on their own, you know, we can talk through them, get them some more resources um, in the book. There's a huge section of free resources. There's so much online that is free now. So many resources and things. So I, I listed as many as I could in the book so that there's 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 you can do genealogy and, and literally not pay anything. You can so there are free things, um, family, uh, not family search. That's the one I'm going for. It's a it's a free website. You can do your family tree there. Um, all the records on there are free to search. So there's ways to do genealogy and not spend an arm and a leg. And then, you know, if you get really involved, you can do the paid subscriptions, but you can start for free. And that's the beauty of genealogy is that it doesn't cost anything to do. You know, I, I think the tagline for that section is definitely going to be harnessing the generational memory, <laughs> you know, harnessing the generational memory to sort of uh, realize where you've come from. Uh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I, I do want to ask, because I know you've done some workshops with kids uh, yeah. thus far. I'm wondering if that played a role in sort of writing the book and sort of how you've come to sort of craft the work that the Majani Project is doing. Uh, no, actually, it was the other way around. <laughs> so I had an idea of what I wanted this to be, right? I mean, you, everything starts with an idea. Um, and then, of course, depending on how things go or what happens, then you might adjust that idea um, to, you know, to fit what the reality is, right? Um, but yeah, my my goal was to to sort of to I did do some some in in session in class work. Um, I had an opportunity to work with a school and and they and God bless them. They let me basically have free reign. Um, they I told them what I wanted to do in terms of having a class. They let me set it up exactly the way that I wanted to. And it was so great because we had a chance to go and see like different records collections in the city. D.C. is like ground central when it comes to records. Right. So we were able to go to the Library of Congress. Um, we even went to uh, Howard's, the Spingarn, the Spingarn. Um, just to look at, to talk to the um, archivists there about their records collection. Um, there's the DC History Center, right? They have records collections. There's so many places in this city that are so great to, if you're doing genealogy. So in the class, we were able to do field trips to a couple of them, which was fantastic. But yeah, really the book kind of came first because I wanted something to use as kind of a guide to teach with. That was kind of the purpose of it. 
Um, so, so that's kind of how that worked out. But yeah, so now, now we're in the process of um, really just sort of building the online platform and, um, and working with schools and, and different agencies in the city to um, get youth interested and involved. What would you say is the most critical piece to For the Culture? You mean for the book? Mm-hmm. The most critical piece, I think it's just, I think it's having all of that information in one place that is accessible, right? This is not a, this is for us. This is for us and by us, right? It's, it's not your typical, it's not a textbook at all. Um, there's parts in there. I, I Genealogy is so much more than just, like I said, dates and facts and figures. It's our culture. It's dance. It's music. It's it's how we do our hair. It's food. There's so many parts. And so all of that is in the book. So to me, that's the most important thing is just how comprehensive it is. Like it's really written for our youth. Fantastic. Lovely. I, I want to come to a concept you mentioned earlier around the notion of the manner in which we've been taught history. Right. We're sort of taught about trauma at a very early age and I think really not until sort of this generation of folks that are sort of coming up, um, has there been a real push to start teaching, or I won't say a real push because there have been people that are fighting. There's been some real success in getting uh, in the mainstream more stories that go beyond, right, the horrors of enslavement, but tell stories about the perseverance of Black folk uh, in in the district and, and around the country in general. Uh, I'm wondering for youth, what is the best way to navigate that in, in a family setting? Where like, how, how do I, for example, go to my grandmother and ask her, but like, how did you get here from Nicaragua in the middle of a civil war? <laughs> right. Yeah, how, yeah. how do you do those things? Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you definitely have to be sensitive and, and there are some areas where you may want to tread a little more lightly um, I think this, the best way to do it is to sort of start with the really with the softball questions, if you will, the easy stuff. Um, you want to make people comfortable. Not everybody is just going to be like immediately ready and willing to talk about, you know, the parts that are hard. Right. So um, I would start start with the easy stuff, you know, start with the fun stuff. And then as you move closer to, you know, where where their lives may have had some it may have intersected with, you know, tragedy or something like that then you can just sort of prep them and say, hey, so, you know, the next set of questions or the next time I talk to you, uh, I really would love to, you know, kind of get your thoughts about that that trip from Nicaragua and what that was like. So then that way they sort of are prepared for that and they can already have some ideas of what they want to share with you. And if if they if they share things that you feel are like, like you want to go deeper than what they're sharing, you know, you can just you can you can find ways either during that particular interview or maybe later and just follow up with an email and just say, hey, you know, I'd really love to know a little bit of more, little bit more about that if you're comfortable sharing. But you always want to give people options because you don't want people to feel like, you know, that they have to answer right then every single thing that you want them to, right? You want to just say, hey, I'd love to talk about this, but if you, if you want to do it later or not at all, like, that's okay. So, you know, create a, a comfortable space because the, the reality is that, for many of us, there are parts of our lives that are hard to talk about, right? And so, especially if if you're if you don't have a super close relationship, maybe with those family members through nobody's fault, but like in my case, my my parent, my dad was in the army, so we left California when I was eight. So, you know, and I never really went back except for every now and then. So I don't really. There are huge parts of my family that I don't really know, and so if, if you're in that boat. There's no time like the present. Just start. Pick up that phone. Write that email. Phone's probably better, but I know not everybody answers their phone if they don't recognize the number. So, right. but yeah, just reach out and just make those connections. Um, reach out on Facebook. Um, talk to maybe a cousin has a little bit of a closer relationship with them than you do. So, you know, there's ways to just kind of ease into those conversations. And then as people get comfortable with you, then they're more likely to share. And you can tell them to say, you know, I'm not just asking because I'm being nosy. Like, I just want to know where your strength comes from. Like, how did you manage that? You know, because clearly, you know, you're here now and you made it. So, you know, I would just love to, you know, kind of pick your brain about how that happened and what it took for you to to go through that. 
So, so yeah, just, just having those conversations. I love that. Just having the conversations. Uh, as we're approaching our midway mark on our show, uh, I'm going to remind folks again, this is Corey Shaw Jr., uh, with the DC, director of the DC Legacy Project with Empower DC here with Gigi Nelson. Uh, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for folks to call in. Uh, the number is 202-588-0893. Again, 202-588-0893. Uh, Gigi, thank you so much for all of the insights you provided this far. Uh, as we're waiting for folks to potentially call in, I'm wondering, can you come back to this notion of sort of demystifying who genealogy is for, right? Do I need to have uh, uh, a significant person in my life to want to have to do gene genealogy, right? Do I need to have a, a president's daughter or, or <laughs> a principal's wife, right? Do, do I need to have those sorts of characters in my life or is genealogy for everyone? Yeah, so that that's another one of those false narratives, right? That have kind of been spread about, about who genealogy is for. Right. And so and then there is there was a whole push by by certain people that, you know, uh, you should do genealogy because then you can find out if you're related to a, a famous person. Right. The reality is that most of us probably are not and that that's OK, mm -hmm. because the heroes in your family are in your family and they don't necessarily have to be well known to be a hero. So genealogy is absolutely for everybody. And that's really one of the things that Majani Project is passionate about hoping, getting people to understand is that it is for everybody. If you have a biological parent and everybody does, or you wouldn't be here, <laughs> you know, at least until, you know, the, until that's not the case. But right now, if you have a, uh, a parent, then you have, then you can do genealogy and you should do genealogy because it's really just about, like I said, it's about finding those heroes in your family. And maybe they weren't the best known. Maybe they, you know, when they passed away, maybe there were only a couple people at the funeral, but they did enough and got far enough to get you here. And that's why they're heroes. Mm, absolutely. I think we oftentimes downplay the significance of uh, just being in this world exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and I mean, we also sort of we're, we're so this culture just in general is just so oversaturated with the idea of celebrity that it it, it permeates everything and so I, it would be one of our goals is to kind of take that step back and recognize the heroes and celebrities in our own families yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did have a caller call in. They wanted to make sure uh, that they got your contact information and then the title of the book. <laughs> sure, sure. So you can you can reach me at info at majani.org. So that's I-N-F-O at M-A-J-A-N-I dot O-R-G. Info at majani.org. And then um, the name of the book is For the Culture. A genealogy handbook for the cool kids. Fantastic. Uh, I want I understand we have a caller on the line. Caller. Hello. Hi, uh, you're on. Yes, I think you just answered the question on the recording. The name of the book that was published in 1996 is called what? Oh, that book. Um, ooh. Lord have mercy. It was a textbook out of like Minnesota or somewhere, and I don't have it in front of me, but. Uh, uh. Okay, now what is your book then? The one you're saying that. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. It, it, I, yeah. Mine is called For the Culture, a genealogy handbook for the cool kids. So, yeah, that 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 textbook, it was. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember what it is right this minute, but yeah, it was. And your name again, I'm just, I just came on air. Your name again. Or the yeah, name? no worries. Um, my name is Angelique, A-U-N-G-E-L-I-C, Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. Okay, great. And that can be what? Be, uh, from any bookstore? Yeah, if you go to any bookstore online, and tell them that you, that's why I spelled out my name because it's, it's under my full name. So if you give them my name, it's, it, it should, they should be able to find it. Um, it does. I don't know. Do, would it be helpful if I gave you ISBN number feels like it'd be like way too much information. 
<laughs> but the title is For the Culture, a genealogy handbook for the cool kids. Okay. Wonderful, Carla. Thank you so much. Uh, so, Gigi, I'm wondering, where do you think genealogy can take us as a people? Right. I, I study history, for example, as a political scientist um, with the intention of understanding the past to try and find better ways through policy uh, forward. Uh, how do you think genealogy fits into a potential sort of uh, theory of change? that looks at uh, not just sort of improving society, but improving ourselves. As a theory of change. I like that. I like it a lot. Very academic. Okay. So I think where I see genealogy taking us is, is as we know our history and as each of us understand our own family history. Um, another piece to genealogy is, and we haven't talked about this yet, but I'll, I'll just mention it briefly is one of the things that we're able to do, our nonprofit, we have um, free DNA test kits that we can give away to anybody who wants one. So if you want one, email me at info at majani.org and I'll be happy to follow up with you and get you a DNA kit. Um, we are making a huge push to have more black people do DNA kits. And this might really open up your phone lines <laughs> because we all know that there is a lot to be said for and against uh, DNA test kits. But I will just say here um, a couple things. One, the reason that I'm a proponent of them is because it gives us a baseline in terms of where in Africa we're from. I, I would never say to anyone that, oh, you're going to be able to find the exact tribe, right? There are DNA kits out there that can um, sort of pinpoint some areas, you know, some more specific areas for you if you want to do those. And But those are a little on the expensive side. But the DNA test kits that we have, um, they will give you, you know, the the area, like the general, the actual general area of where your your ancestors um, were from. You now you have to remember too that there were huge migrations in Africa, the same way that there were in America, right? People moved from east to west, north to south. So it's all kind of, you know, it it. So just that's a caveat, right, for when it comes to DNA tests, but. One of the other benefits of that is um, just in terms of medical research, there are not nearly enough uh, genetic, there's not nearly enough genetic material of Black people for, for scientists to study our DNA. And I heard this straight from a Black geneticist's mouth, so I'm not just making this up. Um, some of you may have seen in the news recently that uh, they just recently may have found a cure for sickle cell anemia. And that's wonderful. But my first thought was, wow, it's 2024 and this is just now happening. To me, that should have happened 60 years ago when all these other diseases, right, have cures or possible cures and sickle cell is just now getting its, you know, but it's because we, there's not enough DNA on file to study. That's, that's the reality. And so that's one of the things, that's another thing, goal of the Majani project is to get more black people to do DNA test kits. So Having said that, where can genealogy take us as a people? I think it connects us to our roots and it doesn't get much better than that in terms of connecting to our African roots. We are Americans. I mean, no one's arguing that, least of all me. I, I spent many, many years overseas. And the one thing it taught me is that, yes, I am an American. Um, but I've also been I've also been to Ghana and that experience was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And I'm, I'm, I would recommend if, if you can make it to any country in Africa to please do so. I think it is life changing and it, 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 it makes a difference because you see, you know, places where people look so much more like you. Right. And you can just it's just that whole history and just that just all the things like it, it was a whole it was a whole experience. But in terms of where it takes us, I, I think I would just say that as we as we find our roots, that it just it grounds us. Right. And then we know that we're able to to progress in, in and be successful in any field. So as a as a, a genealogy, as a theory, I think that is especially as younger people or it, really anybody of any age, you know, as you as you as you learn more of where you come from, just in general, um, you're, I think it just makes you that much more appreciative, right? Not just appreciative, but also just that much more knowledgeable, knowledgeable about history in general. One of the things I've noticed about as, as we, as we have students study genealogy is that it makes history in general much more real, 
right? If you're talking about, you know, just for example, the Homestead Act, right? If you're in a classroom talking about the Homestead Act, who cares about the Homestead Act? But if you have learned that your great, great grandfather actually was able to benefit from it and actually got a piece of land from it, it just makes it that much more real and that much more interesting. So I think as a I, I think as we study our genealogy, it makes us that much more interested in history. And we all know that in order to move forward as a as a as a nation, as a people, we've got to know our history because if we don't know it, somebody else is going to be telling it to us. And we won't know if they're telling the truth or not, or if they're telling the whole truth. That's why it's so important to study history. And that's where, to me, genealogy feeds into that. Genealogy, I see it as kind of a a stepping stone to really appreciating and understanding history in general. Well said. Well said. Uh, Looks like we've got another caller on the line. Caller, if you give us your name, uh, we'd be happy to have your your question. You're on with Angelique Nelson. Hello, this is Donna Kofi Boache. And uh, I d- I'm ordering the book from your website. And, Thank you. Uh, I have I have done the genealogy testing with AfricanAncestry.org uh, for um, my father and my mother. Wow! And it it, uh, it really surprised me to find how widespread that was. Of course, that's on, that's incomplete information, but it does give you a very strong sense of, of identity to know, uh, even if you only know one side, to know that that is where my first ancestors who came over here came from, from that people. Yeah. Uh, I commend you on your work. I visited Ghana over 10 times myself, and uh, this is a very important work that you're doing to help connect people. Uh, even if you don't have all those in-betweens, like you said, just to have some hints, have some idea, it does such a great thing for your personal self-esteem. And what I have related about what I have learned to my grandchildren has given them a great sense of self-esteem. So thank you for your work. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Um, all the things that you said, just, you know, the way that you're, you know, teaching your grandchildren about what you've learned. That's what it's about because your grandkids are going to, they're going to move differently in this world because they have that history. They have that foundation. And that's what I want for all of our kids to be able to move in a way that, that gives them just the confidence. Like, Hey, we're here. We've been here. We are Americans. Like we've been here from the jump. Nobody can, you know what I mean? The Native Americans were here first. Yes, but we were a close second. So, so we, we, we go back centuries in this country but to hear certain narratives you know we a don't belong never did belong shouldn't be here aren't really american like all the all the crazy right but the reality is that we are here we we built this country right we built this country and it's this is our heritage this is where this is where we're from there would be no america without the africans that were imported to clear the land, raise the crops, raise the animals. Uh, most people don't know that the smallpox vaccine was revealed to um, the Europeans by an enslaved African who had been uh, brought here. Um, the traffic light was invented by an African who was born here. Uh, if, if you look for the patents, that have been granted to people of African descent, you will be amazed at how many there are. There's hundreds, if not thousands. Exactly. I was watching a PBS documentary a couple weeks ago, just randomly, and it was, but the program was actually about this, the black guy who created the synthesizer. And I was like, what? Like mind blown, who knew? Because they don't teach us that. They don't teach us all of the brilliance and the genius that we have, that we've always had. So that's why it's, it's, it's to me, it's just like critical that we know where we come from. And to do that, to start with our own families and learn about the amazing things that our own ancestors have done. Very true, family first. Thank you for calling. I appreciate you so much. Uh, all the knowledge being dropped on the air right now. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. And so I do want to turn and sort of ask a question sort of in line with what we've been talking about. Um, 
And given that I'm about to see this movie again, I feel it's fitting to sort of quote it um, and sort of noting that the potential is what we say uh, when what's in front of us isn't good enough, right, from American fiction. Um, I'm wondering what what kind of opportunities uh, genealogy as as a as a sort of career field might hold for youth that might be interested. So there there is a there is a path. Um, you, we had talked earlier about like what it takes to to do genealogy, and one of the things that I, I meant to say that I forgot is you there there are so many free classes, free online courses that you can take. There are actual institutes that you can attend. Um, there are degree programs now. Um, Boston University has one. Um, I want to say it's Brigham Young has the other one. It's one of those schools in Utah. I think that's the right one. <laughs> but anyway, um, so so there are there are degree programs that you can get into. There are certificate certificates that you can earn um, or you can just sort of be sort of self-taught. Right. There's like I said, there's so much free information available. Um, a lot of the different databases like Ancestry or Family Search, they all have uh, Family Tree. They all have classes that you can take, courses that you can sign up for, webinars, that kind of thing. As far as um, a career field, it's still kind of relatively I wouldn't say it's in the infant stages because genealogists have been around, you know, forever. Um, but there's. The way. If you're going to be a genealogist, like you probably end up getting hired by one of the the big companies like Ancestry, right? Um, or you could go into business for yourself and be a genealogist and let people know that you are interested in doing their family tree. Um, I think it's a little it's a little it's a little harder to make it a career as opposed to a super interesting hobby, only because when you look at how much work it takes to do a family tree and then if you're charging people for that and i mean because you are you're putting in some work but it can be difficult for people who don't understand how much research it takes it can be difficult for them to understand like the prices that you're charging so it may be a little harder to to do it as like a full-time job um if you're doing it as like a part-time or like a, a hustle a side hustle that would probably be easier Okay. Okay. For the for the young folks that are listening, how much should they be charging for their genealogy services? So that's going to depend on like what your level of um, education is when you start, right? Um, your beginner rates are going to be different than when you've been doing it for twenty five years, right? So that that plays probably the biggest thing and in, role into it. Um, but as you as you just start with your own family, do your own family tree, and then you may have to end up doing a couple of your friends for free or something until you build up kind of a portfolio. And then you can put that, you know, build your website up. Um, and then you can put all that information, the, the ones that you've done and if, get some testimonials from them to show people that you, A, you know what you're doing, you've done it and done it successfully and that your rates are justified. So um, whether you, it could run the gamut. Um, being in this area in DC, of course, everything tends to be a little bit more expensive. So, um, but yeah, it could run the gamut of anywhere. And these are, I'm just throwing out numbers, but it could be literally anywhere from 30 to, you know, a hundred, $200 an hour. So it just depends on where you are, you know, on that journey, if you're a beginner. And like I said, some things, sometimes you have to do some things for free to be able to start making money. So don't be afraid to just at least get that experience and just, and start doing your family tree. And then, you know, a couple of other people's family trees just to get that experience. But you definitely don't have to get it's great if you get certified. Right. That's like top level. That's when you can really charge the big, big bucks, probably. And it's great if you want to do that. But don't feel like you have to. You don't have to do that. There are so many amazing genealogists out there who aren't necessarily certified, but they know their stuff. They can help you get through whatever, you know, brick walls you might be having, but they're not necessarily certified. Yeah. Genealogy, another field where, you know, a degree is nice, not necessary. Exactly. Um, wonderful. Uh, as we close, I'm wondering if you can just reflect on me for the next few minutes about uh, why preserving history is so important. Why is preserving history important? As a... I told you I was a historian by by background. So to me, I'm just like, like that should be just so obvious, right? But I, I get it. Like it's it's not, if, if especially if you're not into history. And to be fair, I should point out that I didn't really get into history until I was in grad school. 
<laughs> so even though I got an undergraduate degree in history, uh, I got the, I, I chose history because it was time to pick a major and mm. it seemed like it would be easier than English. So I was like, okay, history. And that's literally what happened. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that you have to, you know, have a, be all into history. But what I will say is that once you start understanding your history, it all boils down to when you hear people say things like, oh, well, there's no point in me voting because it's not going to change anything. That That is probably one thing that will make me crazier than like anything else that somebody could say, because and it's not even about the fact that our yes, our ancestors fought and died for that. But if you look at the at the history of that, right, of the history of how laws are made and how different laws are made to affect certain people in different ways. We could talk about affordable housing, right? The laws that are created to keep a certain demographic in one place and not allow them to move, you know, for greater opportunity or whatever. So when people don't understand and don't know the background or the history, and I'm using history and background interchangeably here, but when you don't know what's come before, then you'll swallow anything that they're giving you now. And you'll you'll take it as gospel and you'll assume that, okay, well, that's that. But when you know, like, when you know your rights, when you know what you mm. have access to, when you know what's come before, when you know what laws were were um, uh, were created, but maybe not passed. And you, you just, all those things matter because there'll come a point when, you know, you'll come up against something and it would have been really helpful if you'd known the background of it. Right. And so that's why, to me, it's it's so critical that we know our history. And the more you can know of it, whether it's our whether it's a social history or your family history, political history, um, labor history, all the types of different histories that there are, the more you know in any given subject, just the better informed you'll be and the better decisions you can make because you know the background of it. Wonderful. We've got a little more time than I was anticipating. And so I'm going to close <laughs> with a different question. Um, can you give the listeners in like the next minute or so uh, something to research. What is one little historical nugget that you think folks need to know about? Gosh, I don't even know if I could just limit it to one. <laughs> Can you give me two? <laughs> I, shoot for five. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so one thing that that I think, I mean, of course, I'm going to, I would start with your family history because you're right there. It's so easy. It's so close. Like just make a plan. I mean, we're coming up on Black History Month. Honor Black History Month by by calling a relative, right? The oldest relative you have, call that person, go visit them. If they're in a nursing home, I'm sure they would love to see you, right? And don't feel bad if you haven't talked to them in five years. They'll just be happy that you're there then. So so honor Black History Month by, by, by figuring out who the oldest relative that you have is, right? And then go and talk to that person. If you can't do it in person, Zoom might be a little bit beyond them, but at least pick up the phone and call them if you can't go see them in person. And then just start having that conversation. Um, as far as like actual like history, history, gosh, that's hard because I'm trying to think like what would be like the thing that I would want people to to like dig into. <laughs> um uh gosh, um the just maybe like the last at least like the last 10 years like i i right now what are the biggest what are the biggest issues that we're looking at today to me that would be you know climate change right look into in his, the history of environmental of climate change or environmental justice i was watching something last night actually it was it was pbs again i'm a fan in case you hadn't noticed but there was a there's a program on about a place called liberty gardens in florida have you seen that one Corey? Wow. It was just so eye-opening and enlightening. It was talking about how these how the how housing is built, but then, you know, people are supposed to be able to move back into the housing and then only 5 out of maybe 500 actually do. So just understanding like how things work. So whether you're talking about housing or climate change, look into the history and and this is one thing that I will say because I think sometimes we we forget we we as black people we have been involved in every single movement that has ever happened in this country. And I'm thinking specifically about environmental justice. There is a fantastic exhibit at the museum in Anacostia about black representation in that space. 
And if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go see it because we the narrative is always that is that environmental justice is something that's led by white people. Right. The reality is that Native Americans, uh, Latinos, black people, we've all been in that space and going back for decades. That was what I learned when I went to see that exhibit is that we've been doing this like since the 60s and 70s, if not sooner. So that's what I mean when I'm saying like, um, you know, understanding those things that those issues that are important for us today, for sure. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Angelique. Uh, this has been Taking Action. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hand it back over to the folks. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks, Corey. Good afternoon. For WPFW Washington and WBAI New York, I'm Darnia Samuels. Here are some headlines for this hour. A House committee assembled today to consider two articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary. The requirement for impeachment is the committing of high crimes and misdemeanors. But House Republicans have presented no clear evidence that Mayorkas is guilty of such things. Still, their resolution accuses him of refusing to comply with the law and breaching public trust. In a letter sent to the Republican chair of the House Committee on Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas dismissed the impeachment process as, quote, politically motivated, describing the accusations against him as false. He also said that he will not allow such accusations to rattle him. Over the weekend, there was a drone attack on a small United States base in the country of Jordan, and three U.S. Army soldiers were killed and at least 34 service members were injured. The number of injuries is expected to rise, though, because of service members seeking treatment for symptoms that are consistent with traumatic brain injury. Officials said the drone was fired by militants backed by Iran and appeared to come from Syria. This drone attack is significant because it was the first time that American troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the beginning of the Gaza War. While speaking in South Carolina on Sunday, President Biden said of the attack, we shall respond. Earlier today, when addressing reporters, the president said he has made a decision on how to respond, but he did not provide any details. However, he did say, and I quote, I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for, end quote. To your local news, in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams wants to revive the issuing of Section 8 housing vouchers in order to alleviate homelessness. The plan is for the New York City Housing Authority, or NYCHA, which issued most of the 100,000 vouchers currently benefiting the city's residents, to issue more vouchers later in the year. Michael Horgan, a spokesman for NYCHA, said the organization would prioritize the homeless, victims of domestic violence, and people with disabilities, along with other vulnerable groups. In New York City, Section 8 housing is available to an individual who makes under $50,000 a year and for a family of four bringing in under $70,600 a year. Beneficiaries pay 30% or less of their income on rent, while the city covers the balance up to a point that's considered to be fair. This will be the first time New York City issued the vouchers in 15 years, during the time that Mike Bloomberg was mayor. To the D.C. area, in 2023, crimes in various categories saw an increase, including homicides and car thefts, the majority of which were carried out by juveniles. Concern over this rise in crime is giving local advocates more reason to take positive action. Joanna Hardy, an Air Force veteran and a violence intervention specialist with Children's National Hospital, founded Guns Down Friday, an organization that works to link young people with needed resources. And Marcellus Green, who survived gun violence as a young man, created an organization called Representation for the Bottom, which includes youth and family services. Both Hardy and Queen found a common denominator with the youths they work with. Most have problems at home, like a lack of food, family drug usage, or even no home to go to at all. 
and many have been exposed to violence at a very early age. Marcellus Green says he's found success in helping the youth when he gets the parents, mostly mothers involved, so that they can get the resources they need. In today's weather, it's currently about 38 degrees in New York and 42 degrees in D.C. That's all for your headline news this hour.